everyone knows how to play poker. 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 But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. Poker. This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts, Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. And welcome once again, Big Dave Lemon, back in the studio, and uh, Joe is home, actually. He will uh, join us in just a second by phone for a few minutes. I also have a, an important guest tonight, uh, the CEO of Faded Spade, which is a uh, new card company that's really taken off. Uh, very interesting to find out the, uh, the associations they put together with some of the biggest card rooms in the country. They are the official card, uh, the preferred card of the... Uh, World Poker Tour, which I guess means that occasionally they'll have some events where the rooms that they use are tied in with other card companies. But uh, I was did a lot of research this afternoon and was very excited to find you know how deep the subject is. I mean, how much is involved. I mean, uh, I think the average card player probably uh, remembers when they were a kid uh, playing with bicycle cards, the bicycle company, which was actually a paper card coated with plastic. And now uh, all the cards are 100% plastic uh, because they have to stand up to the shufflers, the automatic shufflers, and the <coughs> the heavy uh, usage uh, in tournaments and in uh, cash games in these big card rooms all over the world. But I was uh, surprised to find, I mean, I, I, I do remember doing this show that there was a lot of uh, controversy the last couple of years. Well, back to 2015, I think, um, when uh, the World Series of Poker brought in an Italian card company called Modiano. And I guess they make some pretty good quality cards, but the cards they sent to the World Series of Poker were not up to snuff for some reason. And I guess that is probably uh, one of the most foolish things I've ever heard in business is to not send your best product out to the biggest uh, tournament in the world, but... Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that with Tom and a few other things, how he got started with the company and what they are doing to really uh, uh, revolutionize the card business. It's been pretty exciting, and they are involved now with a lot of the biggest tournaments and the biggest rooms. But we'll start out with Joe. We'll bring Joe in from by phone. Uh, Mr. Rodriguez, how are you? Not, I guess I shouldn't ask, huh? <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah, if I was feeling good, I'd be sitting right alongside you and Gio there, but unfortunately... This is what happens every time I've opened up a room, Dave. Yeah. And within the first three or four months, well, as you well know, uh, I'm sure you've been sick more times than you'd like to mention since you went back into the day in your highlight. But yeah, you, you get so many people that are sick there and don't don't stay home. So I apologize to our listeners if I sound a little funny, but try to get through this. So. Uh, Dave, let me tell you, it is very foolish, and I'd love to see the response that uh, this gentleman gives you to that Italian company who did not make sure that their product was of you know highest quality, uh, especially with all the uh, TV time and mention and everything that would have happened. Uh, well, not only know. that, but you know how poker players are. They're chronic complainers. And, uh, you know, when the cards aren't up to snuff, they're they're not going to hold back. And uh, they actually replaced them with cards that were not good either. And I guess finally got on the right page, and I think they came back for a second year in 2016. But as it turned out now, the the company Copag is uh, supplying the cards <laughs> for the World Series of Poker. So it cost them some business to one of their major competitors. And uh, well, 
Faded Spade is. Uh, I, I know you looked a little bit at those cards last week, so uh, um, me, I don't know what your thoughts are yeah. on uh, quality. If you've ever seen them and well, held them without, in your hand, without actually touching them, without actually feeling right. them, and, and you know, getting a getting a grip of them in my hand, and actually, you know, pitching the cards around and shuffling them myself, you know, it's, it's hard for me to give you an honest answer yeah, about I that. Hear you. I hear you. But uh, you know, again. Uh, Going back to what you said about that other company, that that really is ridiculous. That on the on the largest scale in the poker community, you do not have your best product out there. Um, faded, it's what is faded spade. Faded spade. Um, and I'm curious if if they made a deal because I'm sure, um, you know, expense wise. They, they may have taken a, a hit due to the fact that they were probably giving these people the cards either at cost or below cost just to get the advertisement of, you know, of, you know, WSOP or in this case for Faded Spades, uh, WPT using their cards and, and, you know, advertising it there. So Well, they're in at the Borgata. They're in at all kinds of really big places now, so they've been doing well. Uh, one of the things I saw today that uh, the basic three things you need is a balance of strength, flexibility, and thickness in the cards. And the reasons so that the cards last longer, they're easier for the dealers to use, and the players have a good feel. So which is most important of those three? Uh, the, uh, the quality and price of the card, whether your dealers like to pitch them, or if the players like the feel of them. Well, to be honest with you, I mean, from from a casino standpoint, price is nice as long as the other two fall in line. You know, uh, they kind of go hand in hand, Dave, because, you know, like they say, uh, uh, there was an old saying that I heard in some movie goes, you know, that if you buy if you buy a 10 cent diamond, then you probably bought a diamond that isn't worth a dime, you know? Yeah. And same same thing with these cards. If you're buying, you know, a setup of cards that are, say, you know, as opposed to Copag, which is somewhere around $12, $11 to the casinos based on the quantity uh, quantity that you order. I would imagine it's the same thing there. For me, uh, being now that machines use it, is that the machines don't bend them because over the course of time, um, these machines will put a crease in the exact same spot on all the cards. Right. But if but if it happens way too early into the uh, you know into you using these machines and the people start complaining about it and you got to constantly be replacing them and pulling it out, well that you know that that automatically becomes very expensive. Also, the dealers you know getting a feel and being able to pitch it and the customers grabbing the cards and may have make making it feel good. <coughs> excuse me, in their hands will kind of. Cold, you know, they go side by side with each other because if the dealer likes the way he pitches, I'm, I'm like 99.9% sure the customer is going to like the way they, they feel when they pick up the cards. Right. So, so kind of all these things kind of go together, Dave. You know, that's, you know uh, once you have a quality product and that everybody knows it's a quality product, um, well, then obviously cost cost becomes the the driving force now right and here's the big thing for for that we have regulations here in the state of florida that you have to replace the cards every 90 days okay okay so 
in the old days, you know, you used them until they were unusable anymore, you know, for lack of a better word, until, you know, kind of wore them out. Which is what? Um, Which is like six months? Longer? Well, yeah, it, yeah, it could go, it could go, you know, longer than that. Now, at 90 days, depending on the rotation that you use them, okay? And like, like when I opened the room back in 2012, I was anticipating, uh, you know, a lot of table usage. So I put in, uh, back then I put in a five-day rotation of like 20-something setups, not to mention two or three replacements. And, you know, as the 90 days go by, you know, the same card constantly gets damaged, you know, just by coincidence. Well, then you're, you know, reaching into the other good decks and taking out that same card. Yeah. And, you know, uh, you, you, you now have gotten more replacement decks. But to be honest with you, and, you know, the Copeg cards that you mentioned, um, for the most part, held up pretty solidly. I know I could have used them a lot longer than 90 days. They were in great shape. They hadn't, the color hadn't faded. Um, outside of the machine, putting a, you know, a mark on it, which is just, you know, something that happens uh, with these cards. I had no complaints. The yeah. price was good. So, you know, um, it, it was a good fit all around for us, for the company uh, that supplied the cards, I'm sure. I don't know what their profit margin was, but, um, I was quite happy with it. And again, if I could have used them even a, another 30 to 60 days, it would have been perfect. But, you know, uh, that's what the, the, what the rules are. And to be honest with you, that's a very good and fair rule for the uh, playing pu- public. Because if you do miss someone who has who is good enough and skilled enough to uh, mark the cards, well, they'll be out of play within a certain amount of time. And most rooms rotate them. So, you never quite know when they're going to go back into into, yeah. into the rotation. Well, one of the big things I'm sure we'll talk about with Tom is that there are a lot of cheaters <laughs> and angle shooters uh, in the world of poker, and uh, people are always trying to gain an advantage somehow. So you got to make cards that are tough uh, but still are flexible and, and feel nice for the players. So there's a lot of the things to take into account, and I'm sure it's a long trial and error process. It, it really is, and it's funny because... I'm, I'm sure I've mentioned it on our show in the, in the past, but, you know, uh, first time I came across someone who actually marked the cards, I wasn't the one who found it. Um, I'll give credit where credit is due. It was Nelson Costa, okay. who, who we know of the Hialeah fame. Um, he found the person marking the cards. I was able to go into my office. I had a camera at the time, and it was, you know, it was a very slow table with four or five players. And, you know, it was so easy to find this young man marking the cards. And at that time, he was marking all the picture cards. And, you know, uh, Nelson got the credit for finding this out, but then also gets the negative credit for telling everybody announcing at the table that somebody was marking the cards. And sure enough, this kid just got up while I was checking to see who it was, walked out of the room, Dave, left about $45, $50 on the table at that time because he wasn't playing any hands. And he never came back. Never came back. And, so you didn't get to arrest well, him. No, well, never came back that day. <clears throat> but, you know, these people who market like this are not the uh, the brightest people. At least this kid really wasn't. After three or four months, I guess he thought we'd forget about it. He tried to come back to claim his 45, 50 bucks. Oh, jeez. 
and uh, he got arrested for for his uh, troubles. Yeah. Okay. And, well, and I'm, warned I'm... and warned not to come back. And unfortunately for him, he tried to do the same at Magic City, like about a oh, year geez. later. Wow. And one of the off-duty cops that was working at our at our at our place happened to be working over there. Remembered him, and I don't know how much jail time he did, but you know this. This is a thing that you can address with Tom because uh, people have, as long as they've been card games, people will try to mark the cards to get it to yeah. get a you know no an question. advantage. Uh, Leopard can't change his spot, so uh, I guess that's just that's the way it correct. is. I'm sure you would like to have thrown him over your shoulder and uh, put him in a pile driver and uh, take care yeah, of him. But, well, hey. well, put it this way, not me. I would have liked to have left him to the customers that were there. <laughs> they probably would have tore him up. Yeah, absolutely. That would have been. That would have been that would have been a lot better. I would have seen a lot more fear in his face than me going after him. Now I know if you had done that to me while I was playing at the table, he wouldn't want to run into me. But at this point, I would have you know it's one of those where you go, all right, guys, he's all yours. Let me know when you're done. See if there's anything left to pick up of him. Okay. But, Two weeks away yeah. from the start of the uh, World Series of Poker, the Venetian Series, the uh, Deep Stack Championship Series, uh, starts today out there at the Venetian. Uh, in Choctaw, which Tom said he was going to be at, uh, he was going to, I don't know, maybe playing a couple of events. We'll talk to him about some of that because he is a good player as well. Uh, but Choctaw starts on this Friday, March 17th. So the World Poker Tour will be in action. Uh, they have started their series out there. So uh, still a lot of stuff going on. There'll be some great stories and stuff like that. Also a little bit of news about the... Uh, uh, Department of Justice's uh, new opinion on the Wire Act. Uh, they uh, are again dodging uh, requests for different things, and as a result, the new state of New Jersey has uh, sued the DOJ uh, over the Freedom of Information Act uh, request that they made and not giving them any information about it. So, uh, a lot of legal stuff going on, and it's pretty crazy what's uh, happening. But. Uh, that we will talk about next week. And uh, also got a new article by the Dealer Chick, uh, our new favorite writer, talking about uh, filthy things that happened at the table. You talked about getting sick, so it's more than just uh, cold and flu germs. It's oh, some really yeah. dirty stuff, and uh, you know it's almost so gross, too gross to talk about. But we will uh, maybe uh, attempt to uh, talk about a few instances you've had oh, in your room over, over time. And I, and I guarantee you, Big Dave, that whatever she's mentioned in that article, if I haven't personally, you know, uh, uh, was at a table to attest to it, I've been there as a manager to attest for it. So Yeah. Okay. Well, listen, I'm going to let you go. We're going to take our break and bring Tom Wheaton on. Uh, if I need you later on, I might give you a call. We'll see what happens uh, with our interview with Tom. And uh, you, you know me, probably will not need you back. <laughs> there you go. Probably will spend a bunch tell of time him, with him. Tell him. Tell him that, that. Tell him, listen, you're in for the traditional 20-minute, 15- to 20-minute Dave Lemon interview. That turns into and 45. Then, an hour later, an hour later, <laughs> you're saying goodbye and thanking him for being on the show. Yeah, exactly. Okay, I uh, hope you feel better. I will talk to you next week. Thank you, Big Dave. Gio, okay. Joe, guys over there at the studio, thank you, guys. I hope to see you next week. Okay, uh, we'll talk Bye. to you soon. Joe Rodriguez, uh, a little under the weather tonight. And uh, I do have a guest, so we will plow through without him. And uh, look forward to talking with uh, the CEO of Faded Spade when we return, Tom Wheaton. We'll be back with more of the show when we return from these messages. This is Poker Action Live. 
This is Big Dave for PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Want to know what's really cool? Your charitable tax-deductible donation every time you play. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com, the feel-good gateway to fun and prizes. Play free. Learn our system. Get 50,000 free chips and play for prizes. Play for scholarships that benefit Caribbean students. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Take it from Big Dave. A win for you is a donation to Caribbean education. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Kevin, now that you're in eighth grade, let's not talk about alcohol. You've got a lot going on. Sports, homework. So I'm sure you haven't noticed where we keep the alcohol in the house. When you hang out with your friends... I know how innocent it is. You play video games, watch educational TV programs. Besides, you're too smart to have friends who drink. And by the time you reach high school, trying to be cool and fit in will be the last thing on your mind. You'll be focused on getting into my alma mater, not experimenting with drinking. So don't worry. I won't ask you if you've tried alcohol or what you're doing when you sleep over a friend's house. I mean, you're too young to even think about stuff like drinking. Right, kiddo? Real kids are curious about alcohol. 40% try it by the 8th grade. Start a real conversation at underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. Talk early. Talk often. Get others involved. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. WFO Radio, NHRA Nitro, is all about the NHRA Drag Racing Series. Featuring the NHRA's Alan Reinhardt. Race winners stop by to talk about bringing home the Wally. Every Tuesday night, following NHRA national events, NHRA Nitro is available on demand anytime on the WFO radio application and at WFORadio.com. Back on the show... Big Dave Lemon, uh, Joe off tonight, uh, not feeling uh, so great, so uh, glad that he was able to check in for a few minutes with us on the phone, and he will, of course, be back with us next week. Uh, you know, I tell you what, uh, he's back to work as a, uh, a floor manager in a card room, and uh, he talked about how, you know, the contact with people all of a sudden after you're not used to it for, for a period of time can, uh, I guess, uh, play havoc with your health, but uh hope he gets better quick. I know there's stuff going around. Uh, I felt it last week uh, myself a little bit and then uh, used some of the uh, Zycam and a few of those things, and it uh, pretty much fought it off. So I'm feeling pretty good and feeling good about my guest. Uh, Tom Wheaton joins me here. He is the CEO of Faded Spade. Now, we really, uh, Tom, I guess, started really hearing a lot about you maybe about a year ago, maybe a little more. Uh, we saw a lot of articles and, and that sort of thing, but uh, things have been pretty exciting. We have, is, is it... Uh, Better than your wildest dream? How well you guys have done? <laughs> oh, Dave, I don't know. It's uh, it's one day at a time type thing, right? Yeah, but thanks for having me on. And um, I don't yeah, want I don't want to jinx you or anything, but hey, <laughs> you know it's funny because I I think you're right. I think about a year ago is when um, we started gaining a lot of traction, right? But you know when you're starting your own business and growing your business, it's typically a couple years in the making before t uh, people start actually noticing, right. right? If you have the right product and brand. So I think you're right about a year ago is probably when we started growing rapidly. Um, but there was a lot of, uh, a lot of work put in a couple of years prior to get to that point. Oh, I'm you know? sure of that. I'm sure of that. Uh, I, I was just looking at the article by Valerie Cross uh, from last 
February, a year ago, yeah. early February. And I know Donnie Peters has written about you. Uh, Donnie was the one that contacted me about having you on the show sometime back. And yep. uh, so we got you on finally. And uh, I'm excited because I did a lot of research today. And and uh, I was just telling some of my buddies here that uh, the only thing I knew about cards was bicycle cards when I was a kid. <laughs> And then, of course, uh, you hear some of the names of some of the different card companies and, and uh, you know, not to spend too much time talking about their names, but uh, different ones like Chem and Copac are, are I guess, your, your direct competitors. And you've taken them by storm. they got to be uh, shaking in their boots. <laughs> well, I'm not sure about that just yet. But, uh, yeah, it's funny. Most people that I talk to, whether it's, you know, players or industry partners, when we were first really getting in the game, Everyone had the same feedback. They never knew or understood how many intricacies and how much went into actually producing a poker card versus like your standard, you know, pick game card or, or paper card. And it is, it, if, you're, if you're doing it right, um, there are a lot of details to pay attention to. So that uh, feedback is, is uh, pretty common, Dave. I guess the most amazing thing to me right off the bat that probably the average poker player doesn't even know is that there's right. the poker-sized cards, which are used mostly in home games, not used in the tournaments and that we see on TV, uh, especially not on TV, but not in the tournaments that they play in around the country at card rooms. They actually use the bridge-sized cards, which is about a quarter of an inch thinner. Isn't that irony? Yeah, crazy. Yeah, it's 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 a quarter inch more narrow, and I think mostly it's it's due to automatic shuffler adaptation. You know, they tend to be easier to shuffle bridge size versus poker size for dealers. Um, but yeah, most poker rooms in the country and pretty much around the world um, use bridge size playing cards. Well, I, I one of the quick things I asked Joe in the first part of the show was what his thoughts were about who you need to impress. I mean, obviously. You've hooked up with the World Poker Tour, which is a huge feather in your cap and has really, uh, you know, kind of brought you to the forefront of publicity uh, on that side. But, you know, there's all the rooms and the guys who run the rooms. But do you need to impress the players and how the players like to feel in their hands? Do you need to impress the dealers who are the ones who, uh, you know, probably have the most contact with the cards? Or uh, is it do you need to impress the manager, the bean counter at the casino that's worried about costs. So those are the three things maybe that the people that you need to impress. Tell me about that. All of the above. Yeah. And and different things are important to different people depending upon who they are, right? So, you know, I always come at things from a player perspective first um, and then dealer as well and then make sure the decisions we're making make sense to poker room operators, Right. Because first, we're a consumer card company. That's how we started. Uh, FadedSpade.com. We've grown into the poker room business. So you have to be able to understand the opinions, which vary by players, dealers, poker room operators and take their feedback to heart. Otherwise, you know, when we say we're a we're a poker playing card company by players for players with feedback from the best poker room operators in the country, if that wasn't the case, then we wouldn't, what I believe, have the best poker playing cards out there. And it's because we listen. Um, and when you get feedback from players and dealers and operators, you will get a wide range of feedback. Right. Some of it is right. subjective. Some of it is objective. But you can kind of carve out some of those consistencies um, and make sure you apply them. And that's what we did. 
um, we did research and R&D for a good year before we even launched um, the company and the product. And then we continued to for another year before we even launched our poker room business. And we've gone through a couple different evolutions of our cards. And I think each time we've gone through it, they've gone from good to great because of listening. Um, but yeah, and you know, we as poker players, we are an opinionated group. Um, but just the I, fact, I, I, I called it chronic complaining. Complainers. <laughs> well, maybe maybe sometimes, right? But but just the fact we listen. I mean, goes a long way yeah. because I don't think a lot of other companies out there are doing it. And some of the companies you mentioned beforehand, you know, these big giants, um, they've they've basically grown into other areas. Right. So poker playing cards for them is a small part of their entire pie. They get into board games, they get into other card games, et cetera. Um, and I think strategically, uh, because of my background, because of the, the partners we have, you know, we've found a niche, a very large niche that we're growing into because of that focus. And because I think the brand resonates with people, um, the product kind of proves itself. Um, and I think a lot of folks are starting to view us as part of the poker community, not just a vendor in the poker community. And that's really important to me. Well, you were a corporate guy in the corporate world in sales and marketing, and uh, when you lost your job, I guess, uh, about a couple years ago, yep. uh, you decided you wanted to get into this full-time. What made you decide that you could do it better than somebody else? Um, confidence, um, and and maybe it was false confidence, right? But the way I was raised and, and how I'm trying to raise my children now is that if you have a vision, you have to believe in it, and you've got to go for it. Um, and that vision, I think, is what's carried us from the start to now. What's funny, Dave, and I don't know that I've ever talked about this. I had the idea for Faded Spade in 2012. Um, if you look at our Twitter account, it was created in 2012. Okay. That's when I locked up the website, all of our account names, et cetera, because back then I kind of knew what I wanted to do with it, but it wasn't until 2016, 17 that I actually acted on it. And I think it's because of what you mentioned. I was in the corporate world. I was a growing leader, you know, climbing that corporate ladder, um, uh, just started a family and that was my life. And I think it took everything being shook, you know, losing the secure high paying corporate leadership job, um, to say, you know what, take your future into your own hands. Right. And, it was a combination of, at that time, I was really listening to Gary Vaynerchuk a lot, um, being inspired through that. And I remember, I had been talking about it for so long, my wife one time just looked at me and said, stop talking and just do it. <laughs> and it was like the kick in the ass that I needed. Um, and all these things happening at once that just pushed me to do it. And, you know, when you lose your job like that and – you know, my salary was the main salary for the family right. and a house and a mortgage and two young kids. Like you can go two ways. You can either wake up and, you know, feel like a victim or you can wake up and you can look at this new situation with optimism and you can build something and you can just go for it. And that's just what I chose to do. 
Uh, what about uh, your career as a player? Uh, how much did you play? Were you uh, serious? You have a bracelet. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I, I didn't really look up your record or anything, but uh, obviously you're a, you're a pretty good player. Uh, although beating Chad Holloway is really nothing <laughs> to brag about, our good buddy. Uh, but hey, uh, what was your the amount you played? How much it was it a part of your life? And and how you turned that experience into developing a product for the game you play. So when I graduated college, and this was '02, um, up until that point in my life, baseball was my thing. It was my sport. Okay. It was my hobby. It was everything. Um, and then I found poker. Or really, poker found me. And it was just a casual home game. I never really played a lot seriously. Um, but it was this big 30-person tournament, and I think I won the thing. I didn't even know what I was doing. And it just grabbed my attention. It, it became that competitive kind of part of my life uh, that baseball really wasn't there anymore. And I, at that time, I think I was 22. You know, I'm almost 40 now. But that time, I just soaked up as much as I could about poker. I watched, the first thing I ever watched, I think, was you know Masters of Poker by Phil Hellmuth, and then you know, read Super System and then read uh, Play Poker Like the Pros and started organizing my own home games and got really into it and then started to try my luck at like 1-2 cash. Um, you know, those, then it was like $45, $65 tournaments all over Florida, Dave. You know, you're, yeah, I'm right. sure you're familiar with Absolutely. those. Absolutely. Drive over, you know, short drive over to Tampa. A couple, yeah. Hour, hour and, and a half. You know, and then there were a lot of underground games in Orlando, and then I got into those pretty deep. Um, but then, you know, I just found my home at two five no limit okay. and cash games, and that became where I kind of became a profitable poker player for ten some years. Um, so being a player, having that passion, which really just kind of took over all my extracurricular time, um, is where it all started. And I was one of those guys that. You know, when I organized the home games, I'd want to have the best cards and I'd want to do this and that. And I just mixed these two passions of poker and cards into, you know, what you see as Faded Spade today. And, you know, when all those card problems started happening around the industry, right? you know, you're familiar with what yeah, was going down get, at do the WSOP and other places. That's when I knew, look, this is time to act because the niche there's an opening. The niche opened up. It, yep, there's an opening, and if I don't act now, then you know there's, we're going to miss a small window. Well, let me ask you quickly: Were you a guy who would travel out to Vegas and uh, play for a week or two at the series, or you were mostly just in Florida, driving up to Jacksonville or down to Daytona Beach or something like that? I did a lot of Florida, um, but then I also did a lot of Atlantic City because I lived in Jersey for a year. I okay. played at the Borgata a lot, um, and then I would fly to Vegas, but I played mostly cash games at uh, Mirage. And Bellagio. Okay. Um, and I wasn't a big tournament guy. I was mostly cash because I just couldn't stand the variance of tournaments back yeah. then. And I was having such a profitable run at cash. Um, and I had an edge, you know, back then. And now I think the edge is much smaller. Right. Um, but now in my career and with the brand, I've transitioned most of my bankroll to tournaments. So I played my first 10K um, last year at the Aria. Um, at what once was the WPT uh, Bobby Baldwin Classic. Right. And it was like, you know, all the best in the biz. And I did this great campaign with U-Stake, had 32 backers, and we wound up running deep in caching. And 
I loved it and I studied for it and I worked my tail off prepping for it. So now I'm going to be doing maybe five to six of the bigger tournaments, you know, a number of smaller tournaments throughout the year. And that's where my bankroll is going to go. And I partner with Ustake to do backing because we have awesome team faded spade supporters, no markup campaigns. We've got WPT Choctaw coming up this weekend. You know, we're playing in the World Series of Poker main event for the first time this year. Um, maybe even play in the new Aria Millions. We'll see. But the shift has gone from cash games to tournaments. And I think it's part personal because I love it and I love the studying and I love kind of relearning it. Um, but then also, you know, there's a lot of promotion involved in that, too. And you can get some great exposure as well. Yeah. Talk about markup. I mean, that's a whole other uh, story yeah. right now. Currently, uh, it's hot. Uh no markup. That sounds like again, you're you're hitting the business where it needs uh, someone to step up and do something a little bit different than what's out there. Yeah, well, I'm, and I'm totally unproven at tournaments, completely unproven. And and for me, it's it's more of the story and having people along for the ride and the sweat. And I think being able to bring a return to so many backers when I first started getting back into tournaments was really beneficial because now you know I have a group of supporters that want to you know, back me on you stake and we'll see where it goes. But for me, someone that's never been a tournament player to charge markup, I think would be a little ridiculous. I'm just looking at my points that I sent over to you and I, you know, we're not even going to get to a lot of this stuff probably because uh, there's so much to talk about in the world of poker for one thing. But well, now I have a whole new subject of, of things to talk about. We'll have to we'll have to start our own faded spade podcast or something. <laughs> you and me. That might be in the works, Dave. <laughs> so you know. But well, I'm sorry. Yeah, let's jump into it. Let's okay. Get into the nuts well, and bolts of it. Uh, instead of just uh, concentrating on how the company got started, what what do you think was the? Uh, I mean, it's obvious that the World Poker Tour Association is the one that pe- a lot of people look at. But what jumped you to the next level of wow? This thing is starting to take off. When we got the RFID cards done, when World Poker Tour said, look, these are the best RFID cards in the market, we're going to put them on TV, uh, that drove consumer sales. And um, then when Poker Go became a customer, um, that drove consumer sales because now the brand had credibility and the product was proven. Can, um, can, you, then, can you explain before we go too far, RFID, I didn't really, going into today, I wasn't really sure what that was. I knew it had something to do with TV and that the cards had a chip in it and uh, it read those and I didn't know exactly how that worked. But explain it a little bit. Uh, that's a whole new thing besides bridge size, poker size. RFID cards are, are for the TV industry basically, but that's a whole nother realm. Yeah, there are very few providers and we knew if we could get RFID right, we had a shot to have a lot of exposure without having to pay for it. Radio frequency identification. Inside each card, there is a small chip or tag. Each of those um, chips have their own um, number associated with it. Uh, within any of these tables that you see, World Poker Tour, uh, TV, Poker Go live streams, you name it, uh, in that table there are readers or antennas that pick up the chip number. That all goes into a software that decodes the number, turns it into the card that you see on your screen. Um, because cameras, or to do live streams, you can't really use a camera. You have to have some type of radio frequency identification okay. um, table which software. Is, which is under cards. the felt, basically, on the table. Right? Yep, it's all under the felt. Um, but 
you know, TV still does use the cameras as well. So if you watch WPT now, um, although RFID is being used for all the software and programs to show what cards are graphically, they'll use the cameras as well and show the whole cards when people look at them and things like that. Well, I guess one of the major problems with those cards is that when people, you know, shuffle them and, and hold them and squeeze them, uh, the, the chip breaks uh, sometimes, and yours doesn't. Yeah, um, a lot less than anybody else out there, and that's why we've grown in RFID. And as we've grown in RFID, that was really our first product. It drove consumer sales. So that's when we started selling the poker size, bridge size, eventually came out with four color online. Um, and then the next iteration was, all right, consumer sales is growing, RFID is growing. We've got credibility with these unbelievable industry partners like the World Poker Tour and Heartland Poker Tour and Run It Up. You know, now is the time to get into the poker room business. Right. Um, tell me a little bit about, uh, you know, the, the timing that came with the uh, the controversy. Let's just talk real briefly about that. But we know that in 2015, uh, the WSOP switched to Modiano cards. And I had mentioned this earlier in the show that I guess they make a pretty quality card, but the cards that they sent to Vegas were not the top quality and uh, that that's a horrible business decision first of all but the players just immediately pounced on that right you know part of me emphasizes you know empathizes with them um but yeah you're right i think it was just um a business decision that uh, went wrong but here's here's the deal when it comes to playing card quality right so when you say 100 percent plastic that can mean a lot of things um you have card companies that have 100% plastic, but they're extremely thin. And then they're easier to mark. They'll crease, they'll dent, right? And then you, but they're flexible. And then you'll have some that are extremely thick, but then they're not really flexible um, and it doesn't feel great for players and dealers have a hard time with them. What we did is, you know, we did an audit of all the different poker playing cards out there and we developed what we believe is this intentional balance of thickness, flexibility, and strength. You'll hear me say that a lot. Um, that doesn't exist in any other poker playing card on the market, and that's true. Um, and what we find is some people, they love the thickness. Some people love the flexibility. Some people love the combination of all of it. Right. But it brings together the best qualities of all the cards out there into one card, and that's how I think Faded Spade is becoming you know, one of the main poker playing cards of choice for the industry. Well, now that you're uh, reaching a lot of these huge rooms and they're using your cards and everybody seems to love them, um, is the WSOP, is that like the uh, the zenith? Uh, is that the holy grail that you're searching for now to get on the, that? Because they did get rid of Modiano. They brought in Copag. Uh, they signed a fairly long contract with them. So I guess they're in for a while. But if they make a mistake, you're ready to pounce on them. Sure. Um, always be prepared. But at the same time, like, I don't think it's the zenith. I think it would be something I can logically see happen years from now, um, assuming we, we continue our growth in the direction where, where it's headed. Um, but I think what we'd like to do over the next couple of years is continue growing our consumer base, continue growing all of our poker room business across the country and then internationally. Um, continue working with the World Poker Tour, which is a phenomenal organization. Oh, yeah. I can't say enough great things about them. No question about it. 
like like just they're so great for the industry and the people that leave the company um are just top quality people um and that's our focus and then we partner with other great organizations like the Heartland Poker Tour and Run It Up and we have unbelievable relationships with top players in the game you know I love what Matt Berkey is doing with Solve for Why yeah. what Jason is doing with Run It Up what Matt Stout is doing with CSOP so on and so forth and they support the brand because they naturally believe in the brand and we don't offer any incentives for them to do that. But we have the situation where some of the top industries, uh, partners, some of the top players, some of the top poker rooms, they're all developing an affinity for the brand and it's really helping us kind of take on additional market share. Okay. Uh, we need to take a break. Can you hang on? We'll come right back to you. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Uh, Tom Wheaton, my guest tonight, uh, the CEO of Faded Spade, uh, just a company that's uh, shooting for the moon, boy, just doing great. And uh, it's funny because all the relationships that Tom has with, with the people, some of the people he just mentioned are people we've had on the show and have the highest respect for. So that's where you go. You, you make a good product and then get recognized by the top people in the business. And uh, that's certainly where they're headed. Uh, we'll be back with more of the show when we return. You're listening to Poker Action Line. Joe out tonight, but he'll be back next week, uh, back in the studio. And we'll uh, bring you some more funny stuff and uh, cover the World Series of Poker, the uh, Venetian uh, Deep Stack Series, getting underway today as we do the show. And then two weeks from now, there'll be uh, seven weeks of uh, poker camp out in Vegas, I guess you call it. Uh, but we will be back to talk about uh, some more about getting into the business of making the cards. Uh, we always say in our uh, headline, the people who run the games, the people who play the games, and the people who... Uh, are behind making the game. So that's what we'll do when we return. Poker Action Line. We'll be right back after this. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick-six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker-playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. A lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables. With a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, and you can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Rods of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available. 
Back on the show with Tom Wheaton from Faded Spade. And uh, I want to talk a little bit about uh, getting into the business and all the work involved and all the <laughs> learning involved. Uh, mm-hmm. You were a player. So how does that experience uh, say, I'm going to make some cards. I think I could do it. I, you saw your niche there that some people were falling down on the job, that this was the exact opportunity to make a really high-quality card. Did you think you could do it, first of all? Yes, I never had a doubt. Um, fear stopped me from taking action. Um, fear delayed um, me going for it, but never had a doubt that we can make it work. Um, but it was all education. I mean, from a player standpoint, I, I know the mindset of a poker player, right? even though everyone has different opinions on things like just the mindset of what's important. And that, that passion for the game is what fueled the entire company's growth. Um, and it, and it, and it still is what fuels our growth. Um, but it was an education on everything from plastics to use and the thickness of the cards and education on state regulations, um, education on geez, even social media, right? Yeah, Where poker absolutely. is in social media absolutely. and applying these Gary Vaynerchuk principles, um, education on what's important to, to operators in the South compared to poker room operators in the West to the North because it differs and there's a lot of consistencies. Um, so the learning process has been unbelievable. And trust me when I tell you, Leading up to now, we have failed many, many more times than we've succeeded. Okay. But through those failures and through those learnings, that's how we kind of got to where we are today. And I think that is something I can't stress enough to other people who have an idea or vision that, that want to go for something. Like you've got to have thick skin. You've got to be prepared to fail and you've just got to keep going if you truly believe in the vision you have. Absolutely. Uh, were the RFID cards, were that was that right from the beginning, or that is something that you just kind of stumbled on and again said, here's another niche that we, we can really excel at? Um, I think if I remember right, we knew we needed to do it because live streaming was so prominent. But the research on how to do it took a very long time. Yeah, you didn't have Twitch back then. No, and I think when <laughs> I think it was when World Poker Tour said to me, "If you develop the best quality RFID card in the product, or in the industry, and your playing card products truly are top top tier," is the word they use, top tier, um, then you will have the opportunity to put them on TV and stream. That's when the laser focus went to RFID. Um, so, yeah, to answer that question, it started off like I knew we had to do it, but it wasn't until that point where the laser focus happened. You have a lot of uh, companies that have been doing cards for decades. Um, you know, is, there, is it a kind of a cutthroat business where when they see uh, that all of a sudden this new kid on the block is uh, denting into them a little bit, that they're going to pull some stuff with the people that they're established with and, and have to do the... Uh, uh, the business social thing to, to get yourself established? 100%. Yep. I see it, uh, I see it in the poker room uh, B2B business right now. Um, I think we're doing a pretty good job counteracting it. And I think that um, 
the relationship that we have within the industry really, really helps us. I think that, you know, even if our competitors try and undercut or discredit or et cetera, I think that we've developed the type of relationships where I think people are rooting for us a little bit. Um, and I think it, it comes back to being a true part of the poker community versus just a vendor in the community. And, and I don't know if that happened naturally or by, by design. I, I don't even know, but it's happening. Um, and I think from a comp, from a competition standpoint, I think the more that our competitors maybe come after us, I have a weird feeling that's going to result in more positive brand equity from the poker industry for us. Yeah. Um, And and that's an amazing thing. And I'm I'm only seeing it on a very small scale now, you know, three to five years from now might be a different story. Um, And I'm only seeing it in the B2B world right now too. Yeah. Uh, As far as, uh, you know, marketing and sales experience that you had coming up in your career, uh, that's obviously got to help you when you're trying to establish, you know, whether you're going to, hand out some swag to different places and, and uh, you know, maybe maybe a few uh, extra cards, uh, you know. But I always worry about uh, some people that uh, want to uh, take the shortcuts and, and maybe uh, use kickbacks and things like that. So uh, can you tell me a little bit about your feelings about establishing yourself in the business world? Yeah, so um, how do I put this? Integrity and how we operate is extremely important for our growth. Great to hear. And I don't think that organizations like the World Poker Tour, I don't think um, that you know our customers would our customers would just see through it. Yeah. I mean, poker players would see through it. That's 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 what we do. We read people, right? Well, that's the huge um, benefit of being associated <laughs> with them. That immediately a guy like Matt Savage talks up your company. You know that uh, you're doing it the right way. Yeah, and you know what? Like, I consulted with Matt, and I asked him. I remember I was out in L.A. and uh, drove over to the Commerce to meet up with him and Justin and a few folks and just laid out the original cards, and we just went through them, and they gave me a bunch of feedback, and then I did the same thing with Sean and the Aria uh, group who were just phenomenal people. You know, and then the same thing with Jesse at Best Bed and, you know, Dom and Daytona and so on and so forth. And all of their feedback, which a lot of it was consistent, we've incorporated. And I think they've seen that. And I think that's helped us, you know, build credibility where, you know, when I, when I say integrity, I mean it. When we say we're going to do something, we do it. And we're going to operate at the highest level of integrity because otherwise, you know, like any other company that isn't, People are going to see through it, and they're not going to be in business very long. Yeah, you're you're naming names for my guest list, uh, people I've have on the show. Uh, Mike Smith, uh, you got to know Mike at all up at uh, Maryland Live yet? I have spoke with Mike via email on the phone a few times. Um, they are interested. Um, we are working through the Maryland state regulation process at the moment. So my hope is that is done by the time they need to order again later this year. And uh, we're trying to make it happen. Outstanding. Uh, one of the things Joe mentioned when he was on for a few minutes was that Florida regulations say that you have to change the cards out every 90 days, which is mm-hmm. a great thing for your business because you think some people with a good 
uh, solid card that's uh, flexible yet uh, strong. Uh, they'll try to to milk every day out of it. Uh, so mm-hmm. that's a, that's a good regulation for you guys. Oh, 100%. And Florida, from a regulatory standpoint, was actually one of the more simpler states. Um, for, for those states you have to get licensed in, and not every state you have to, but Florida you have to. It was, it was uh, a little bit more uh, simple uh, and less complicated than other states. And we are licensed here now, and actually we're starting our uh, poker room business pretty heavily in Florida um, from a business development standpoint probably in a couple months. To this date, we're really just – uh, working with and talking to some of the rooms that are associated with our partners. Very good. Um, what about uh, the cost? I mean, I talked about some of these other companies. I know there's a Chem makes a card that's probably the most expensive. Uh, do you shoot to go f- somewhere in the middle there? Do you try to uh, remain competitive with Copag? Is that a business decision that you make? So very intentional decision for pricing. So, we price our sets for poker rooms, depending upon the quantity, right in the middle of the market. I mean, smack dab in the middle of the market from a unit price perspective. But I believe we have a top tier product. And the reason we do that is a few things. Whether someone is with one of the more expensive brands, we want them to have a high quality top tier card and pay less because I think they're paying too much. And then if somebody is with one of the cheaper brands, yes, they're going to pay a little bit more per unit, but the cards are going to last longer. So their annual budget expenditure should be equal or less than what they're paying. So we try and be very intentional with the pricing. But if we were to go any cheaper, it would dilute the brand. Um, Obviously, we're in business to make a profit to be in business, right? And then I think if if we're any higher, it would just be... I think really an unfair charge for the community um, and really the community shouldn't be paying what they're paying right now for the other top tier cards. I think it's just kind of out of hand. Um, so yeah, right in the middle of the market, but we believe we have a top tier product. Let's uh, talk about the development of the cards. Two things. Uh, one, the design of the cards, especially the face cards, has been pretty revolutionary. Uh, I know that's something you wanted to do right from the beginning. Uh, you talked about how you felt that uh, the whole you know, business and the look of cards was really a tired uh, uh, state of affairs, and you want to modernize the face card. So what did you do to make that uh, exciting, and how tough was that? Very difficult. Um, we went through yeesh, dozens, dozens and dozens <laughs> of variations before we got to where um, we wanted to be. And it was tough because we knew that could be a differentiator, right? Like we knew we, knew we, could, we could build the quality. We knew that. But we still needed a differentiator for the brand. And that was the new face of cards, modernizing cards for today's poker era. But the challenge is, you know, people have been looking at the same cards for their entire life. And us poker players, we don't love change that much. <laughs> so so what, what we had to do was make sure that how we evolved the face cards wasn't too far from the original. It almost paid homage to the original, but was more indicative of our era. And what I've been so pleased to see is that not only have millennials um, become affinity um, and passionate and loyal to our brand, but even baby boomers um, have really positive things to say about the cards and love the design, which I didn't necessarily expect. 
Um, but like with anything, design is subjective, right? right? So, you know, you have the folks that aren't used to it and might complain about it. And that's okay. Like having opinions is okay. But the vast majority of people are for it. And I think that's what's important. And, and what's most important than, than all that, people have an opinion. Because if people were indifferent, then the brand wouldn't exist. We wouldn't have grown. Because indifference, I think, is one of the killers of businesses. Right. And at least for us, it's very polarizing. you know. And, and a vast majority love it. And, of course, there are going to be some people that just can't adapt to it, which is fine. How about the backs of the cards? Uh, you obviously work very closely with your clients. Uh, there's some great logos out there. Uh, there's also, uh, you know, a whole other cheating aspect of the game involving edge sorting. We've heard the Phil Ivey stuff and, uh, you know, there's certain cards people said at the World Series that year that they could tell, you know, after after an hour of play what the face cards were and what weren't. Uh, you know, so that's a lot of uh, very careful work that you have to go to to put the backs of the cards together. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. A lot of people don't realize that, um, Dave. And um, we have a four millimeter white border around the card um, and it has minor variation, very slight variation um, with that white border from the edges, which you have to have. Otherwise, you get into edge sorting. So what happens is, if the design goes all the way up to the edges and when the cards are cut, they're cut at different parts of the design. Uh-huh. That's what happens. I see. People, people can find those intricacies, but that four millimeter white border doesn't allow that. Okay. And then the, the design within uh, the border, it's, it's kind of part brand, but then also part security because there are little spades fading into each other. Sure. But at the same time, like, those card backs are proven to pass the most stringent security aspects at places like the Aria. So it's intentional. You know, we try to add a little bit of modern branding to it. Sure. Um, but then for poker rooms, what we do is we take that, what we call faded spade security pattern, and then we'll add their logos to the top and the bottom in a mirrored fashion um, for even more security. So those poker rooms know uh, the only place people can play with those cards are in that poker room. Okay. Uh, who is your biggest enemy? People, chronic complainers on social media, which I guess you just don't have to take personal, or <laughs> automatic shufflers. <laughs> um, let me put it this way. So even for the chronic complainers on social media, uh, I believe, and I've seen this happen, uh, our biggest haters can become our biggest advocates. And I've seen it and I love it. And fortunately, we get a lot more positive mentions on social media than negatives. But even when there are those complainers um, or folks that are highly opinionated, uh, I've seen some of them turn around and become our biggest advocates, which is cool. Um, And then automatic shufflers. So we partnered with Scientific Gaming um, before we launched our poker room business to make sure our cards were compatible for Deckmate 1s and 2s. And I think this is a big differentiator for us. So, so sorry if I get long-winded here, but I think a lot of other card companies out there take the easy way out, and even if they have a lower-quality card and things are happening unfavorably um, with denting or marking or creasing or et cetera, they blame the shuffler companies. And I'm sure there's some truth to that. Some of these shufflers are very difficult on cards, right. okay? But I look at it in terms of accountability. If we're going to build 
a true high-quality poker playing cards, then they have to adapt to the technology that's being used in poker rooms. Automatic shufflers are one of those tools of technology. And if we're not making our cards to be able to last and be resistant to automatic shufflers, you know, as long as the settings are appropriately made, then that's on us. That's not on the shuffler company. That's on us. So, you know, we took pride in making sure the cards, you know, were tested and et cetera. But as long as they're, as long as those shufflers are set appropriately for faded spade cards, you know, there should not be an issue. Um, and if there is, you know, that's on us. That's not on the shuffler company. Uh, what's up for the company next? I'm excited for your, uh, for your success thus far. Uh, I saw that you'll be sponsoring the TDA Summit, which I think is an outstanding decision there. Uh, you told me you were going to Choctaw to, uh, yeah. I don't know if you're going to play at all or if you're just going to yeah. do business, but uh, what's, bit of what's ahead of you? What's ahead of you? A little you bit of both. Um, so we are going to expand um, within the poker room business. We are going to continue to work with the World Poker Tour and other industry organizations to get the name out. Um, we're going to continue to listen to players, dealers, customers. Um, and then we're just going to try and grow within this niche um, as fast, but uh, as intelligent as possible. And I really believe that over the next couple of years, if we play our cards right, if that was cheesy, but if we do, you know, <laughs> I really believe. You've used that one before, haven't you? Right. Well, I don't even know that I have, <laughs> but, <laughs> but if we do two or three years I think we'll be able to positively say Faded Spand is the leading poker playing card company in the world. And that is a vision, and that is a goal, and I think we can get there. Uh, cards that last longer are easier for the dealers to handle, have a great feel for the players, and a brand new uh, modernization of the design. Uh, it sounds like you got all the bases covered. Um, strength, flexibility, and thickness was uh, one of the things I took away from one of your uh, videos, and you guys have done that right. Thank you, man. And hey, I appreciate you guys having me on. I know we ran a little bit long, but this was a great conversation. I, I hope it added some value from, for you, and I hope it added some value for your listeners, too. Uh, absolutely. It's one of those shows that uh, we did an hour. It flew by, and uh, it easily could have been a four-hour show, and I think we would have <laughs> no problem filling that. Thank you, Tom, for uh, good good luck. You guys have done a great job, and uh, it, we certainly will have you back on again. Uh, send me your uh, number, and uh, we'll, t we'll chat about uh, the future of the business. Hey, Dave, we'll send you some cards, and then for your listeners, head on over to FadedSpade.com, and uh, you can engage with us on Twitter as well. It's at FadedSpadeCards or Facebook, Instagram, at FadedSpade. We would love for you to get in the conversation. Great uh, value for our show, for sure. I appreciate you being on tonight. All right. Take care, guys. Okay. Talk to you soon. Uh, Tom Wheaton, the CEO of Faded Spade. Check it out online. This is, uh, this is a young guy. Uh, you know, he said he was 40, so he's, uh, he grew up in the business of marketing and sales and I'm sure has uh, taken like a duck to water to the social media, and they have a big presence there. So check it out. Go to Facebook. Go to uh, Twitter. And uh, they do some really inter interesting stuff. There's a great story that just came out online, how they uh, worked a, a little tournament out. 
uh, with Run It Up, uh, which is another great organization. And they actually had people playing a 1-2 game at uh, one of the most famous poker rooms out in Vegas, uh, the formerly called, known as the Ivy Room, now known as Table One. So some great stories to read about, and we'll hear more about them as they'll be making appearances uh, in Vegas this summer and, of course, at all the other big WPT tournaments. Of course, the final tables out in Vegas this year uh, toward the end of May. So that will be uh, a lot of fun as well. That's going to do it for the show. We appreciate Tom uh, joining us and Joe uh, fighting through the cold to join us for a few minutes as well. And we'll be back next week with some more stuff about the World Series of Poker, which is just right around the corner. And, of course, we'll be covering all the world of poker legal uh, aspects and all kinds of things. And uh, we'll be bringing you some more great guests like we had tonight. We'll talk to you soon on the program. Big Dave Lemon saying so long till our next edition of Poker Action Line. The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies. 